so Aiden is originally from uh, Shinwon in South Offaly. Uh, she's extensive experience in and has won multiple awards for her journalism, both across print, radio, and TV news. She's an RTE trained radio producer um, and has uh, was RTE's health correspondent in TV and in radio. She's worked for the Sunday Tribune, the Sunday Business Post, RTE, and across the independent sector. And she brings extensive insights and knowledge to her media services. And she just told me there, as we were chatting before we kicked off, that she is launching a new mobile journalism training initiative in December, January? January. January. Yeah, very good. Anyway, Ian uh, is my name, Ian and I've been a journalist for a long time. And as Mark Ford will tell you about that. <laughs> and I, I started in print, and I came into RT radio, then I moved to television, and then I went out on my own. So I've done everything that started going around. When I came out to work for myself first, I got when I got the smartphone. We started making. I started making uh, podcasts with uh, the late Bernie Mulvihill. Remember this branch as well. And we made. We saw the MP3 uh, on the iPod. This is the iPod lads. We realised, wow, you can now make radio portable. That was the first thing. And then the video came next. And we said, wow, we can do that. And then I just said, let's just keep trying. And I realised that there was a gap in the market. Uh, less a gap in the market for freelance journalism and more the gap in the market for training people, <coughs> showing people what I was learning one step ahead of the posse. As, as you all know, and the younger people in this room are, have the huge advantage of being digital natives. What I want to show you over the next hour, hour and a half is A, that you can make good videos without spending much money, but you need to spend a little bit. And the second thing is to show you how to make really good use of the phone you actually have and not make the mistakes that a lot of people make and make and optimize the phone that you do have, okay? The, the, the freelance journalists, you're carrying your phone around with you and you're thinking, I really want to make video, and you're thinking, oh, I can't, it's gonna be a mess, I can't do it. But yourself here, Donald here is doing yeah. it. Um, anyone, anybody else already recording video? Anybody else actually made this? Yourself? Nobody else? Don't be shy. Oh, good. Right, so you've, you've made a few, you've made a few, made a few. I'm gonna bore, <coughs> bore you for a few minutes and get everybody else up to speed. Confidence is the thing, and just learning the basics makes a huge difference. First thing is, this likely scenario is what I talk about, a doorstep. Enda Kenny, is our government minister, is walking down the street, you're there doing your, um, making, you know, doing a bit of stuff, and you see him coming in and you think, great, I'm gonna grab him, and uh, teacher, minister, Shane Ross, what's your latest view on blah, right? And you think, I want to do that. You can do that with this. I'm gonna show you a few ways of doing a good doorstep. Just, but again, with the selfie stick. Uh, that's the likely one. You are allowed on the street, you're allowed to film anybody once it's on the public street. If you go into anybody's private <coughs> residence or into hotels or in some meetings, you have to get permission. Just so you know, all right? So yeah, on the street, you're entitled to take photographs of people and you're entitled to ask them questions and you're entitled to record them. But once it goes... And they're entitled to say no. And they're entitled <laughs> to say no. Oh, they are. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah. But the doorstep's the doorstep, whether you're a print journalist or not. You have to try and get, you try to get a quote on someone. You know, every note a doorstep is. You just literally put your foot in the door. You know what I mean? It is literally. That's why it's called a doorstep. The interview. You've got someone, you want to interview them. How are you going to do it on the phone? So we're going to do a little bit about that. Okay, because that's the obvious one as well. Um, the event, the action shot. Jared showed us a wonderful uh, example of an action shot. Well done, Jared. You didn't have a selfie stick, I presume, right? Like that, right? You, but you've got a steady hand. What's the most important thing? I'm a photographer. <laughs> okay, you've got a steady hand. <laughs> steady hand when you're left handed, right handed, or left handed. Steady hand actually is the most important bit of kit you can have, besides phone. Um, because 
there's nothing worse. And of course, there's nothing worse. Hello, I'm so I know Periscope. I know Periscope is, is portrait, but lads, don't anybody record in portrait after you leave this room. You're dead. Okay? This is the only way you record. Seriously? Because if you do it this way, what happens? You look stupid. Not just that. <laughs> Margaret, tell us what happens. You're missing all the stuff on each side. You've got two black lines on either yeah. side of your shot. You've got a really narrow shot that can't be converted, as Margaret who's worked in UTV will tell us. You can't convert it into a wide shot that fills the, sh uh, fills the screen. It can only come that way. So always. I know you might think about that, but always record that way. Okay? And when you have your self stick, it's going to make you do that anyway, because the self stick won't let you do it otherwise. Well, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, and then the final one, and I know some people here might be a bit camera shy and might want to do this, but no, we're not going to broadcast all of this on YouTube unless you want to, is a piece to camera. Because here we are, I'm at the, I'm at the, whatever, you know, NUGA Freelance Forum, and, uh, you know, um, I want to say that I'm at the freelance forum, or I've recorded an interview with Jared, and I've recorded an interview with Glenn, and now I want to do the wrap-up. The piece of camera you see on the news all the time. How are you going to do that? We're going to show you how to do that. It's not that easy. It's not that difficult once we show you how. And it's about talking to the camera like it's got a face. Okay? All right. Before you start creating any video, you optimise your phone. Uh, when I do workshops with people, and I do workshops uh, on a regular basis, I send out what's called an advanced preparation notice. In other words, Here's things you should do before you turn up, because if you don't do them on the day, you can't really make a good video. First thing is, you clear your memory. So, how many people, I was looking at my phone on my iPad before I, my Glenn was talking, have got five, over 500 photographs on their phone already? Yeah, one? I uh, know, yeah. How many other people have got tons and tons of photographs and videos that they haven't cleared off their phone? Well, you're wasting a lot of memory there. And as soon as you hit record on a phone, you start to use the memory very fast. There is nothing more frustrating, more creating of the kind of language that you shouldn't ever use in front of your children than to have got a good video, about to finish a really good interview with someone. There's Jared, and he's got that helicopter exclusive, and it says, uh, no memory left. And it comes up, because you haven't actually cleared the phone. It's very good housekeeping. So what are the ways to do that? Dropbox, you talked about Dropbox, which is a good cloud-based system, except they start charging you after a while. Google Photos, we've moved over much more to Google Photos uh, in our workshops because they're both Android and iPhone can use Google Photos. Now, there are people who go around and say, oh, I'm not going to be pulled into the whole Gmail thing. I'm not going to be run by Google. Sorry, lads, it's too late. You know, it's too late. Google has taken over the world. Sorry, it has. It's taken over the search engines on the internet. Mark Zuckerberg isn't too far behind. But, and Google Photos is brilliant. Because you can have a Google Photos uh, app on your, on your phone and it'll automatically save everything that you've taken. Right? Now down the line we might find in a few years' time, but you have been warned, I told you, that <laughs> this all could be kept against you when they, someone you know, picks you up and puts you in the na national security in the NSA in America come and pick you up for something you've taken. So I would recommend deleting it if it's something that you shouldn't really have, deleting it as quick as you can if you have Google Photos app on your phone because it automatically saves your videos and your photos in an app that then you can delete off your phone and it's still sitting in the cloud in your app and on your Google account on the internet. Does everybody follow me? Okay? So the Dropbox is very useful too and it's not, and again it's out of the Google family <coughs> so that's good. But I find my Dropbox builds up a lot because I take a lot of photographs and then I'm also having to clear it again because I don't believe in paying for the Dropbox. So if you want to play for <laughs> Dropbox, do Seriously. All adds up guys, it all adds up. <laughs> Optimize your phone, clear it up. Airplane mode, everybody knows what airplane mode is. Yeah. Before you start recording, 
I know we want to be on the internet the whole time. If you put it on airplane mode, it saves the battery. It stops the phone interrupting you with a text or a call when you're in the middle of that exclusive helicopter going by, okay? And, but, but, and also it saves the battery. It just saves the battery because you're now off Wi-Fi and you're out of distraction mode, okay? Landscape, like I said. And charge the battery. <laughs> charge the battery and we can you can get battery packs in fact pennies yeah. how much is this one uh five quid around the corner in the euro shop yeah there are bat in fact there's a battery pack sitting in my car that uh, one of the kids bought in uh, in in pennies i'm not saying that they're great i think the cheaper obviously the cheaper the stuff you buy the less good it is but battery pack if you're going to be doing a good bit of video is well worth having because it plugs in you know usb and off you go and don't forget, obviously, to have the battery pack uh, up again. And if you are recording somewhere and your battery is running down and you know you need to do a little bit more later, if you bring the brightness down on the phone screen, that saves the battery as well. Uh, YouTube, you talked about YouTube. A lot of people think, oh, YouTube, that's just full of rubbish. It's, there's a lot of rubbish on YouTube, but it's also the biggest broadcaster in the world. It's the easiest way to share. Obviously, video can go straight now to Facebook. Video can go straight to, to Twitter if it's, if, it's, if it's short. But if you want to save it and keep it and, and share it with people in limited or in unlimited ways, a U the YouTube app on your phone is very useful because you can send stuff straight there. And then you can have that YouTube that everybody else can open and find it there too. Um, the other thing is, uh, for Apple only, is YouTube Capture, which is a very useful free app which enables you to trim and assemble a three or four shot or even a ten shot if you want video straight out of your phone and directly into YouTube and beyond if you want. So you can assemble a three or four shot video straight in on your phone, okay? And you can trim it as well. Trimming means tidying up the beginning and the end, which we'll do today as well. And then on the Android app, and again, as Glenn rightly said, and I mean, I know all my stuff is Apple, because, you know, lads, Apple for video is still the best. It is still the best. It may not always be, but at the moment it's still the best. And there's uh, the apps that I use for editing on phone are Apple apps. I use iMovie as well, which is a few euros, and it's a great app. But in Android, and again, depends on the phone, but Vid Trim is a good free app, and Video Editor is also a good free app. But you can actually trim in, in Samsung phones. I've got a good few Samsung phones here today, I think, are there? Mm -hmm. Okay? You can trim directly in, in video there too, video mode there too. And obviously, your phone should have, let's say, a clean camera and a clean mic. We find sometimes people recording on our workshops, and it looks really soft, it looks kind of foggy. And then you look at, their, you look at the back of the phone, and it's not clean. You, know, you actually literally give it a wipe before you start recording. Seriously? Just a thumbprint? They're lenses, you know, they're very good lenses, but if you've got a thumbprint or something on it or get it dirty, the lens won't work, guys, that's the way it goes. And also the microphone, you think, oh yeah, of course the microphone is clean. No, you can get a lot of dust into those little, little, little things there and just give them a little, just get the dust, make sure there's no dust in it. Um, you'll be surprised at how much dust you get in, particularly if you don't keep it in, keep it in a little bag. I keep my iPod in a little, in a little container like that, so it's just to... Be aware of that, but just to check that all that your gear is working very well. All right, so to reduce the shortcomings of phones, because as we said, they can be unsteady. Phones with the video on them is not designed for holding in your hand, left or right hand. So you should try and get them as steady as you can.
Okay, so first question. I, yeah, so here's yeah. the bottom line. It's just a practical thing. It may, I don't know how many TV broadcast journalists are in the room, but um, the only downside of iMovie is that it shoots or edits 30 frames per second, no matter what you put into it. Uh, whereas for broadcast, we need 25 frames per second. Yeah. Uh, and that's and a problem. Filmic so Pro will do that. Filmic Pro will allow you to yeah. record 25 frames per second, and we use a separate editing app on the phone or on the iPad called Pinnacle Studio because that will allow you to edit in 25 frames per second as well. So there's kind of, to go back to your point, it really depends on what your workflow is, what is the ultimate destination for the content. If it's going online, or if it's mobile to mobile, then iMovie is perfect, mm -hmm. absolutely perfect, and just use the native camera app. And because Filmic Pro, I would describe it as having a moron mode, but there's also really, really advanced mode in there, like you can get into really, really deep settings, uh, which are, for, to be perfectly honest, and this goes for, I've trained a lot of journalists, and they would all feel slightly overwhelmed by it. At the same time, again, if you need to get stuff on air where the engineers are going to take a deep breath and accept it, you kind of need to hit the highest mm -hmm. technical as well as kind of quality standards. So mm -hmm. that's where filming comes in. Yeah. You said about edited anyway on your phone. I'm just curious, would some video journalists uh, edit their package on their phone if you film on a bigger camera? Uh, that's almost nigh and impossible, but it really depends on the camera. Okay? Yeah. So the vast majority of our video journalists are editing on um, ES3 laptop. cameras which is basically a Sony standard uh, yeah. codec, which means it has to come into Apple to be yeah. added and everything. There's no real way There's of no way converting that into content. Now there are, this is bizarre, but more and more you find that some of the big camera manufacturers are doing what they call proxy files, MP4, uh -huh. four files in the camera, which you can put onto an yeah. SD card and import into your phone mm -hmm. to edit. Yeah. But that's not a work for people are working with. No, no. generally, yeah. look, I'll put it like this. If you had a Bentley in the drive, yeah. and you had a push bike in the drive, and you needed to go for a long drive, which one are you likely to take? Because yeah. you know, if you have the, the big, point. big camera, yeah. you're going to use everything the big camera can do and do the workflow design yeah. for that. Yeah. Um, but where mobile really comes into its own is, like three things. I've given you the examples of the break and news situation. The beauty of it in the break and news situation is you're guaranteed to have it with you. Could be dead. That's a whole yeah. other story. That's all the battery about power is the killer. Yeah. But you're guaranteed to have it with you. So knowing how to get the best out of it before you have any accessories with you is really important. So it, the key tips from Adrian: shoot horizontal, stay close to your subject. Your headphones, your headphones in your pocket, that's the tone of the phone, that's a really, really ha handy little emergency microphone. Tuck the headphone in there. There's a microphone on the control volume thing. You can just use that as an emergency mic and it'll give you more usable sound. So those are simple little tricks. But again, Depending on what you're delivering to, you need to adopt a workflow that's kind of technically compliant to what they, they need. Okay, so any, any questions or additional questions, please? Just most useful things in your toolkit. Like I, I carry a little coiled up extension lead yep. for the headphone, the handiest thing I have. What, what's, the, what's the cheap tool that you use the most? He doesn't oh. use YouTube. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Party! Oh, yeah. I, I, I spent two and a half thousand euros yeah. on accessories personally yeah. last year. What's the most invaluable accessory um, you have then? I, to be perfectly honest with you, the thing that I use over and over and over again is a really, really good battery pack. Mm -hmm. So I have a battery pack which is uh, it's capable of charging the phone completely six times. Uh, and it, so it's called an IEC technology. The key thing to do when you're looking at battery packs, folks, is look at the, the milliamp hours rating on the side of it, okay? There's a number at the back says, number MHA, and milliamp or MAH. Milliamp hours is basically how powerful the battery pack is. The bigger the number, the more charges you're gonna get. The one I have, and I'm not gonna joke you, it's like that big, it'll charge the phone six times, and it's a 22,000 milliamp hour battery. But the, the, yeah. to answer your question, the key thing that I use a every single day, particularly when you're shooting videos, is a battery pack. Because they're wonderful in so many different ways, but their biggest weakness is the battery yeah. is crap. Yeah. Sorry, but that's battery true. is terrible. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. So supposed to, the new one's supposed to be better than new phone. Yeah, so I know I haven't bought yeah. it yet. Yeah. Any other questions? I was just going to say for key equipment, I just started using this really recently, the MiFi. Yes. Because you do not get that sort of signal off a phone. Yeah. You put your phone card in the MiFi to get an unlocked one. Yeah. So before I was always running to try and try and find an internet cafe to upload something. It takes like three quarters of an hour of running around trying to, so no matter what you're doing, you know, 80 euros and you don't have to go anywhere, just sit here. Yeah, and the other huge advantage of using a MiFi as a pair mm. as opposed to actually just using a direct mm. phone is that you won't receive a phone call. You'll still get text messages and stuff, yeah. but you won't receive a phone call. Yeah. And it's the phone call actually is the thing that's most destructive yeah. to your recording. Like yeah. it will corrupt video or I mean also you heard. for send and stuff, like you won't get you get a much stronger <coughs> signal and you'll get off. The and phone. they won't yeah. tell you this, but you actually get faster throughput over a MiFi. Okay. So if you have a four G SIM in your phone yeah. and a four G SIM in a MiFi unit, you actually get faster speed than a MiFi unit. Yeah. yeah. That's it a lot of time. Any other questions? What was the question you were going to ask me there when you're sitting there? So do you want to open it to the group? Yeah. Um, no, I was, it was more curious about where the crossover is, I suppose, with, with like, I'm a video journalist. So yeah, <coughs> this area is, in some ways, it's, yeah, it's the same way as, you know, you've got people, you know, more and more people taking photographs, taking, um, so I suppose it was just curious. Yeah, so mm -hmm. the, the, yeah. What, what we just spoke about briefly was the prospect of that 220 euro 360 camera that I just showed you. Like if they become ubiquitous and everyone's out doing 360 video, like what is the unique thing then that a, a video journalist or a storyteller, a trained journalist, Story. has to offer? Exactly. Thank you. Is exactly that. So I mean, the thing about it is, is that when you're doing the live stream in 360, just look at Periscope. Like so much of it is utter crap, uh, but every now and again you find a nugget. You know, you know. But yeah. the vast majority is really, really crap. The same thing yeah, is inevitably going to happen with 360 live. Yeah. As soon as you get the consumer grade devices being available for like a hundred quid. Everyone will get them for their birthday or Christmas, which means that the amount of content that goes out on Facebook and YouTube will go through the roof. But the bottom line is, is that a good story told well will always have value, always have value. Now, I don't think that's ever going to change. I think if anything, my take on where Mojo probably st still hasn't really come into its own, but I think that last slide I showed you where you have a startup station in Paris is a bloody good example of it. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not, I'm taking my RT hat off and firmly putting it on the table here for a second, but what RT is never really gonna be able to do is to do really, really niche content or to do kind of local news. Yeah, I mean, the newspapers in the regions do that extremely well, and many of them are trying to migrate into mobile journalism anyway. But to be perfectly honest with you, I could see a win-win where you start to empower people to basically do stories in their community because the production model is cost efficient to make that entire thing feasible. Like I used to be involved in local TV in Waterford a long time ago. And the biggest challenge with it was everyone tried to do everything the way the RT does it. The business plan was never gonna work. Mm. You get 50 quid for an ad, you get five ads an hour. Like how the hell is that gonna pay anyone's salary? It was never gonna work. Whereas actually if people are willing to kind of come in and, and you know, dip their finger in or toes in the water and try some storytelling with their phone, which they already have by the way, then you know, they can get local stories that are otherwise never going to see the light of day. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a genuine value in that. And that's something I'd really like to see grow. <coughs> yeah. We shall see. I think it's going that way. You can see it in America already. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's a startup in Edinburgh, local yeah. TV service in Edinburgh, all predicated on this stuff as well. Go ahead. Sorry, just a quick question. I don't know if you've answered it earlier. But is it possible to bring a photograph in to merge in with your clips, with your video clips, so that, for example, you could have a photograph? Because sometimes a photograph uh, you know, words, so to speak. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Can you do that? Yeah, iMovie is beautiful iMovie. that way. Actually, it's really so you can bring photos in as well as. Yeah. yeah. Any other questions? Silencio. Yeah. So I'm just thinking. Can you add? I don't think you can add text in iMovie, can you? You can. You can. But it's very limited. Yeah. Very yeah. limited, yeah. and it looks terribly samey, just like yeah. the bloody music in iMovie. Yeah. If I hear sure. the music well, if I hear that, oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 
There's more music in YouTube. <laughs> but yeah. again, editing <coughs> YouTube, we should say, to put, you can add text, you can add graphics, you can add photographs, all that stuff in YouTube editor, but you have to go onto a laptop computer and do it. You can't do it before. Yeah, just, just something that, um, I don't know if you know Neve Guckey and uh, she set up the um, yeah Irish Times video channel. Uh, she was uh, doing a, uh, a whole day on this last week with us in Ranala, and she was talking about now that um, the BBC, I think, for video for online platforms only that's not going to make it a television broadcast, they've scrapped the idea of not using vertical video because it's just uh, like Periscope is is vertical, Facebook is square. That obviously, Snapchat you're, is going yeah, circle. Obviously, <laughs> if you're still, yeah. if you're if you're still going for sixty-nine HD television broadcast, you yeah. got to go that way. Yeah. Can I tell oh, you the great yeah. secret? The great secret. And I, I I said this at MojoCon this year, and no one has taken me up on it, and I'm still amazed. So here's the bottom line, right? No one really knows how to use 4K yet because you can't broadcast it. You have to down convert it to HD to use. But the secret is. Yeah. yeah. So if you shoot a 4K master file, a little bit looser than you might do it, so you take an extra step mm -hmm. back, but you shoot a 4K master file on your phone, there's an app called Luma Touch, Luma Fusion, Luma Fusion, that will allow you to edit out either a widescreen 16.9 HD or a vertical uh, HD version from that master file. Yeah, that's, that's similar to that camera you were looking at recently, which is the Facebook Live. <coughs> where you have oh, the you have the four K no. you have the four K video Mevo. and you can Mevo exactly yeah. and you can yeah. crop whatever you want out of it and yeah. mm. I'm amazed no one has done a map on the iPhone to do that since four K sensor as well. I'm sure it'll I'm happen. Sure Switcher Studios, the other thing probably tell them about it. Though. Yeah, yeah, so uh, if you, well actually here's the interesting thing, right? So Facebook Live um, opened up an API so that you can stream to Facebook Live from more than just your phone. You can use other hardware as well. And what it's basically meant is that if you have devices that support the Facebook API, you can effectively do, well to all intents and purposes, what we would do in a television studio. You can use up to four cameras, which could be four iPhones, <coughs> uh, which you can edit on your iPad in real time and it streams like a little TV show to, fa to, to it's Facebook. A visual mixer, I was like, yeah. Yeah, it's a full amazing. vision. So there's two apps that do that. Um, uh, Switcher Studios One, which is a subscription model, and the other one is one called Live to Air from a company called Teradek. And just to give you an example of it, actually, if you go on YouTube and you look for the Mojocon page on YouTube, we did eight hours of live broadcasting from the last conference that were all edited live to air on an iPad. So don't tell me you can't do it, because you can't. Go on. Yeah, I'm just curious. Because you, you showed the photographs at the start, the kind of three different setups. One's like kind of a small camera crew, one's a video journalist, and one's a mojo. Mm -hmm. um, what what jobs would you send those people out to? Like, where where does which which one comes into its element? Where's, that's, that's where's a, the strength? That's a great question. So, what is the biggest weakness of mojo right across the gamut? It's becoming less of an issue, mm -hmm. but up until now, oh. it's still a major issue. Is Zoom. Okay, because the, the, even though the lens and everything is nice and you can take good photographs and you can shoot decent video with it, you can't still do the 30 times magnification that you can do with an ENG camera. That's why you spend 20 grand on the lens. Uh, but the bottom line is, is that the newer iPhone with this dual lens system, the plus one, mm -hmm. which allows you to punch in twice with no picture quality, that's a step in the direction where mobile is going to continue to go. Um, but right now, let's give me a scenario. You're on the news desk, you're saying, I have a story, it's a great match. Uh, we're going to go and cover it. Would you go and try and cover a football game with an iPhone? No, you would not, because you're just going to have blurry dots wandering around a pitch. And I imagine they're all at the far side of the field. You will see nada. 
Yeah, just blur. So you know that will not work. So where I where the iPhone or or Mojo in general works really well is where there's a level of intimacy and human interest. A story that happens within three to four meters of the front of the device, perfect. Something that's you need a zoom yeah. for. It is the wrong solution. And yeah. um, video journalists kind of sit in the mid ground between the two. So what video journalists bring is you get a lot of the power, not all, but you get a lot of the power of the big ENG camera, but you get the intimacy of the single shooter model. And I mean, I've trained, like I used to do VJ training before I did Mojo training, and the thing that used to always surprise me is when you enable someone to basically become a picture-led storyteller themselves, rather than having to work with a team of people, it can read, like some people really just gravitate towards, just love being able to be in control of the story themselves, mm -hmm. and aren't phased by the technical stuff, because what I would say to you about the technical stuff is, Everything we've said today may seem a little bit overwhelming right now, but just cast your mind back to the first time you sat behind the wheel of a car. And you remember being petrified about trying to change gear, going, fuck, where's the first again? Uh, you get this muscle memory, you learn where things are, and then it just becomes instinctive. And when you get to that level of proficiency, that's when you will really start to become a fantastic storyteller. Sorry. What sort of values do you think television stations are attaching to pieces of mobile journalism? Say what, what are they going to pay? What are they, well, well, that's a good question. Uh, in, in, if I had my way going forward, yeah. I effectively would be pushing towards a kind of an initiative where we were looking to do much more regional and much more niche focused content and we would do it on a commission basis. But there is no model that I can tell you that we use right now for it. All I can tell you roughly is, uh, for instance, a feature piece that would be commission, uh, commissioned for the likes of, say, Nationwide or something like that. Christ, can I even imagine? Like, uh, three years since I worked in news, so I'm not entirely sure of the figures. Um, I'll, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll respond to you. I don't want to give you a bum number. I want to give you the accurate number. So I'll get, yeah, treat me and I'll get you. But I, I know that it would be worth your while to go and do the story. Uh, I, I, would, I would be guessing probably, I don't know, maybe 800 euros or more than that, something like that. But certainly not fluff money anyway. And I mean, I would think in time, the, the biggest risk is this is the difference between UGC, which we haven't really dipped our toe into the waters of, but let's just go there for a second. UGC, as in Joe Public picks up the phone and shoots content, versus a story told well by a professionally trained journalist. For me, of the two things, the pivotal line of separation between it is that the UGC has only got value where it is the exception. Do you understand me? In other words, where someone gets exclusive footage, the crash, the fire, whatever the hell it is, then that UGC content becomes something of extreme value. But an awful lot of the stuff that we, I mean, we get a lot of people these days ringing us going, I have great footage of X. And they'll send in X and we'll look at X and they'll go, there's nothing particularly great about it. And actually the cameraman got there like 20 minutes later and got yeah. great footage. So we're not going to even consider paying money for that, to be perfectly honest. Um, but if you get something exclusive, then you go into a bidding war. And that's where the likes of stuff, is there anyone here for Storyful? Sure. I'm not slagging you, I'm just stating, stating a fact. Yeah. Like what Storyful's business, aside from the big verification thing that I do, which I think there's a genuine massive need for, mm -hmm. is, is basically tracking down people who are abusing rights and doing the licensing deal and then going after people for money. So I mean, I have a classic example of Mark Settle, who's the BBC mm. Mojo trainer, who did this really stupid illusion with a pair of train tracks when he was playing with this kid's train set, okay? And uh, you can look this up on Twitter, just go Mark Settle train tracks and you'll see it. <laughs> so basically he did this video and it goes completely viral. For no particular reason, it's just an optical illusion, but it goes viral. And he's kind of amazed that he's getting tweeted constantly by BuzzFeed and everyone else going, can we use your clip, can we use your clip? And he's kind of going, no, you can't use my clip. You can, re you can retweet it, but you cannot embed it in your website, you cannot use it. And then out of the blue, uh, Storyful kind of approached him and said, listen, if you want us to manage the rights for this clip for you, we're happy to do that, and we'll chase down anyone who actually has used it without permission. And they were able to, like whatever amazing algorithms you have or had, uh, 
you were, they were able to track down everyone who basically had had that clip embedded on their website, like in a matter of minutes. Uh, so I mean, you know, there is mm. attribution is a big deal, and we need to continue to preserve mm. it for the, the mm. professional content. Mm. But I can't put, I can't give you a figure. I'm sorry. Well, I think I'd say as well is for a lot of you here who've never done video before and are just dipping your toe in and thinking like, you know, Jill, there is a printer. You know, I think you're maybe a writer thinking this would be an add-on because actually it is a skill. It actually is going to become. It has become an essential skill. Yeah. You're going to have to be able to say, when you go out and do a, a story about a factory somewhere and about all the nice things they're doing, you're going to have to clap, collect a bit of video while you're at it. Because the Irish Times will take it, or whoever you're working for will take it. And they should, they should, Jared, pay more. You know, that should be an add-on. But it should you make you then, it's a skill that you have that makes you more attractive as a freelancer to people as well. And you're right, I think there are great story there are great visual stories to be told. And I think if you look at Philip Brommel's stuff particularly, I love the way Philip and you're right, he uses the close up shots just so nice. He thinks of the sequence, he thinks of the beginning, the middle and the end. Mm -hmm. You know, and he thinks about okay, what is gonna help me tell it? And he, he could, I can imagine I don't know Philip at all, is that he's looking at something and thinking, hmm. And then he's saying, now do this, now do that. So he's directing it as well. So that's the non-spontaneous <coughs> stuff. You know, that's actually not news, that's features, right? Yeah. But it is to start thinking like that. Now I know all you lot who are yeah. going to write minds and stuff are being taught to think like yeah. that. My generation wasn't really. We were one or the other, not really any. Uh, but it is, you, it, the, the, the phones are so bloody good. Well, the newer ones, particularly. It is a shame not to be. Like Philip, <laughs> like Philip's, Philip's stuff is—it's like yeah. it's like a nationwide piece in three minutes, yes. rather than. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, and his, his style would be exactly yeah. the same. It is features. Features. But there's he no reason why news can't be doing. I don't think you know. He does know. something that's yeah. really interesting. I've never heard any other journalist do this, but when he's setting up a story, he will actually say to the people when he's talking to them before they ever go out, before he ever goes out of location to shoot, he'll say, "What am I going to see when I get there, and what are the light sources?" Yeah. He actually asks people that on the phone when he's having the initial conversation. <coughs> yeah. Never heard anyone else do But it's a really, really salient question because as you see today, if you have low, low light, yeah. then the quality of what you're going to shoot is going to be low light. So what can you do? You either bring light, which in the Mojo model is not really part of the, what you typically do, or move. Just go somewhere yeah, else. Just find, do find the light. Out and went out to the front and yeah. got the lovely so, light. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I mean, you know. Don't be afraid to be a director or be a producer. You know what I mean? Be, be, be the person to say, look, it's not working in here. We're going to have to move out. And people will come with you. They will actually come with you. Yeah. Is there just an interesting little side bit note on this, right? So the, the referring to the style of, of filming and the sequences idea and everything, which is very much what I'm a proponent of because it's perfect for short form and it makes editing really, really fast and simple. It takes a bit of extra effort up front to shoot it, but when you go to edit, it is a dream. Uh, but inversely, like one of my colleagues who is also uh, RT News, but she is on to comment to the documentary. She shot the first one-hour documentary shot on an iPhone uh, like two months ago, maybe two months ago. And uh, she shot everything in 4K. She shot over 50 hours of content in total, like four terabytes of content for this documentary. Um, but the bottom line is, is she had originally been trained as a mobile journalist in news, so she was in the shoot, move, shoot, move, use a tripod, keep it steady, all that stuff, and realized that was never going to work for an observational documentary. Because you can't keep asking a member of the public, can you go back and do that again so I can get another angle? Because it just kills the flow. Yeah. So she used a gimbal. And I don't know if any of you heard of this technology, but basically, you know, drones, you know, the flying camera mm -hmm. platform, I'm sure you all heard about them. Well, basically, the technology that keeps the camera stable in a drone is now miniaturized into a device that you can hold in your hand and put your phone into. They cost about 300 euros, so they're not the cheapest, but it means that you can literally run upstairs 
with a phone in the gimbal and it will be as okay. super smooth as if it's but a Hollywood movie. Yeah. You know, and um, mm. so she basically, she almost abandoned all the kit that she had for the documentary shoot and just basically shot everything with a gimbal and a radio mic. And that left her freedom to track people around and do lovely shots in and out of cars. And if you saw the documentary, great, it's called The Collectors. If you didn't, but you do decide to join the Facebook group, uh, it's not public, but you can access the documentary on the Facebook group. It's no longer on the player, unfortunately. Uh, but I'll just give you an example of, you know, we've talked 30 second clips on Twitter, but you can do an hour long documentary if the subject matter is right and if the story happens five meters away from the camera. Mm. Still. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, it's just, um, say, say I shoot a video, I interview a guy or something like that, it's a good exclusive story or something, say it goes viral, story from, say it's, this is a great story, uh, we're going we're gonna to do it. H how often would RTE or uh, broadcasters or whatever? get complaints from people who were interviewed who said, the guy never told me he was going to make money out of this, he was just doing a report, and uh, now that he's famous, where's my cut out of it? Uh, do you have to have it signed in writing? So in the music scene, you would have to sign yeah, for a German yeah, no, TV it's, company, it's, it's a great give question. away all rights. It's a great question. So basically, here's the thing. Like I literally did a course in, in San Francisco last week. And one of the people on the PR team said exactly that. Like, we have to go out, we need to get release forms from anyone that we interview. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, you know, in news, traditionally, and, and yeah. some people do this. When they start rolling for the interview, they will say, can you say and spell your name? And you record that, because if you're going to put a lower third on, or if you're someone introducing them, you can get a pronunciation and the spelling right. And some people will actually say, can you now please say that you consent to us using this clip and record it? And now you have an actual recording that says explicitly, I have said it's fine for you to use this recording. That's perfectly legit. That is genuinely perfectly legit. Because by being there and willing to be interviewed in that instance, they are consenting. If they change their mind afterwards because you made a few quid off it, it's kind of like, well, sorry, sorry, but that's the truth. We do, I'm not going to lie to you, we do get the occasional query from people who will say to us, did they get paid for that? Because they never said they were going to get paid for it, now I want to know, will I get paid for it? And you just refer them back to the content producer, because actually the content producer who manages the rights for it, and they've sold them to you on the premise that all the rights are in order. Um, I'm not aware of any case where it's escalated that someone has attempted to sue us as the broadcaster for using content that wasn't, um, what's the word, where consent wasn't given. However, for the record, there are apps that will allow you to do a, a standard issue release form, and you can just put your squiggle on with your finger on it, and mm. you can email it to yourself and to the other person to say, you signed to say you gave me permission to use this in a PFO. Mm. But it's another layer of work you have to do. <laughs> for feature pieces, you might want to. Yeah, journalism, yeah. for example, would be, once you pull the notebook out, or one, yeah. you mind if I'm recording this, I often found the best stories I got was actually talking to the person and asking them to explain it to me without writing it down because you know yourself, sometimes yeah. people get scared when they mm. see a pen yeah. and a notebook. Are you going to quote me on this? What are you going to say about me? Can I see it before you do it? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a really interesting And I'm question. not saying I trick people into <coughs> giving no, no, information. No, but, yeah, but just one other little tiny thing on this, because one of the things, when we started the course uh, originally, way back in RT, some of the journalists genuinely were nervous at the prospect of going out with the phone, that it would dent their credibility, that people would not take them seriously anymore and feel kind of like, oh, come on, like, seriously, RT is now shooting on phones. Um, actually, we had the absolute inverse effect. We have only so far once, we had once, <laughs> where someone actually said, you can't be serious. Like seriously, that's what you're on yeah, yeah. That's the only time ever in five years that someone has actually rebuffed the fact that it was a phone. The vast majority of our mobile journalists, when they go out to shoot a story, end up having to give a half-hour mojo workshop to the person who goes, hey, seriously, what? 
and then suddenly you're into, yeah, look, you can yeah, do you this, can use this, that, you know, and that's, yeah. that's actually become an almost part of the, the cost of doing it that way is that people yeah. are really curious. Case in point, Eleanor, when she was shooting her documentary, she spent five days or six days with each one of the individual people that she did for the documentary, and the husband of one of them was the bane of her life because he kept literally over her shoulder for the whole thing going, what do you do now? What does that do? And this was constant for the whole six days. So, you know, pros and cons, but uh, it does give you a lot of intimacy. That's the key thing. You get yeah. access. People don't feel intimidated because once they know what it is, they have them themselves. It's kind of phone, whatever. Any, any final thoughts? Any final questions? Yeah? You mentioned a couple of times Periscope. Yes. It's not on a submarine, what is it? <laughs> so Periscope is a live streaming platform which is actually tied into Twitter. And thank you for reminding me, because as of like two days ago, Periscope has now also released an API to try and kick back at Facebook, which I'm really delighted to hear about because I'm a Twitter fan myself personally, uh, which will effectively, hopefully very soon, allow you to use third-party apps to do much more polished multi-camera content to the Twitter timeline. And you so need to remember... Um, stream. It's effectively a live stream from your camera. Yeah. Uh, so the interesting thing yeah. about Periscope, the key difference, Periscope effectively broadcasts to the world. Anyone who basically follows you or follows anyone that you follow can see your live stream. Facebook tends to broadcast to your community of followers uh, and friends specifically, uh, but they can share it beyond the circle. And um, But bottom line, the two platforms aren't radically different. The key thing to remember is that they're interactive. So a lot of people tend to think, oh, I'll just put it up on a tripod, press the button and let it live stream. But in fact, the novelty of it is that people can ask you questions and you kind of have to respond to them. In fact, Twitter have a really nice one-page best practice guidelines thing and it's all about acknowledging people when they join the stream, responding to questions when they ask and this sort of stuff. Trolls are a big issue on both platforms uh, and just, you know, sexist comments, rude comments, all that stuff. I regularly get trolled every time I go to Long Periscope. I tend to swear a lot when I do, so people got used to that as well. Um, but it's, you know, you set your standard. I don't broadcast as RT, I broadcast as me. So. Just something else about live streaming. Yeah. I was working now last week on a radio station, and I was I did a Facebook video to show around the studio. Uh, I got caught on uh, Facebook. Well, all before before you can before the video is available to watch again, they scan for copyrighted music. That's right. I had uh, I should have turned the monitors down in the studio before I was going, and I was like, damn, that was a brilliant video. About five people saw it live. Yeah. And with the Facebook video. It, if it doesn't get saved to Facebook, it doesn't get saved anywhere. That's it right. doesn't get saved to your own your phone, phone, which is yeah. a real pain. Yeah. 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 Whereas yeah. Periscope does. Oh, you can save local yeah. on, uh, for camera roll on Periscope. And YouTube as well. If you, if you <coughs> use copyright music on YouTube as a as a um, silence here, track yeah. in um, TikTok, and you can get three strikes and then get banned yeah. off YouTube altogether, which is something to be very wary of. Yeah, and then set up another account. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what usually yeah. happens. Isn't well, it? What, uh, what RTE are you using and radio? Because I see Claire Byrne doing this now every week. First, she does the program on Saturday. At lunchtime, and she does a Facebook Live before it. She says, yeah. coming or half twelve, around twenty past half twelve, she'll be like, Hi, Claire Burnham, and this week's program we're going to do blah, 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 and then stops and puts it out. Yeah. And like, it's just a promo, but it's only about a minute, which is grand. Yeah, yeah. I think it's short and sweet. much more short and sweet. So yeah. if you were doing something that you want to promote, mm. you know, like you were doing there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just doing the music. But it is a good way of just capturing people on Facebook as well. Very much so, yeah. It is a huge community. It's yeah. a huge community. Um, but Periscope, I'm interested that they're doing that. that, that yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, a little bit relieved. And just on, just on release forms, in that yeah, case, sure. we were broadcasting from a mental health hospital. So uh, we had uh, all had to be guarded, vetted, yeah. and uh, several photos I had to delete because there's a service user way in the distance out there the window, but with the 
but with the high res photo you can zoom yeah, and find yeah, them yeah, so yeah, yeah. No, th I mean, something to watch out for it in is, filming yeah. in locations like that we did a session specifically on live streaming at Modercon this year and Sue Llewellyn who's ex-BBC and ex-BBC presenter she did this short thing called Spectre which is like the five or six key things to remember before you go live and I can't actually remember them but I'll t again I'll tweet it after the session but there was a couple of really key points one of the biggest problems with live streaming with these social platforms is that you don't have the vetting process that you have with mm. the TV. So often we might introduce maybe a 30 second delay to a live stream just in case if it's a volatile environment, you want to be able to hit the mute or the stop button. You can just cut away from it because you know it's coming. But the problem with Periscope, and this has happened a couple of times, uh, case in point being one I think in, was it China or Thailand, or possibly in Istanbul after the bombing. Someone went live on Periscope on the street in Istanbul and literally people's comments are, oh my God, is that a head? And like mm -hmm. it was, you know, there there are rules for what broadcasters are allowed to put on air in the sense of taste and decency and all mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. But when it comes to social media platforms, all bets are off. But you need to remember that the family of that victim are not going to be ecstatic at the fact that you broadcast mm -hmm. the severed head of their loved one to an unknown audience. And there's a bloody good chance they're going to sue the ass off you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have to take the potential with a grain of salt and apply the same rules of journalism and ethics that you would for every other mm -hmm. story that you do. Yeah. And on that light, fluffy <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you very much for your time, folks. I hope
end up as podcasts, as audio files on the DublinFreelance.org website. They're worth checking out, uh, for example, not just the two commissioning editors this morning, but we've had people from the Aiden Herald, different magazines, Sunday Times, Independent Group, Irish Times, you name it, all, all different papers talk about what they're looking for. Also people from radio stations, from RTE, from News Talk and so on, talking about what they're looking for as commission, uh, commissioning editors, what to, how to pitch them and so on, so you may want to check that out. Uh, if you book the Dublin Freelance site, Hopefully audio from today will go up in a couple of weeks' time if you want to check back over things again. And we will also eventually be posting details of the next uh, freelance forum, which will be spring of 2017, probably mid to late March. And as I said earlier this morning, if there's something you'd like to see, a particular topic you'd like to, uh, us to cover, let us know, especially if you can recommend a particular speaker that would be good to talk about as well. And we'll see what we can do about organising that. Uh, does anyone else want to say anything? Can I thank you for the invitation? Oh, you're welcome. And your hard work putting it together. And so go to Mojo College. Well worth yeah. it if you're, if yeah. you're getting into this yeah. uh, field. I'm heading to the bar. You're all welcome to join me. Those of you who are heading home, have a safe journey. And I'll see you next time. Thank you, Jerry.